morning uh, we ask a question, what is your scent? What is your scent? Another way to put it is, how do you smell? I'm trying to be as nice as possible. From 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. If you've lived in Australia all your life, you take some of these things for granted. You are, we are actually very fortunate to be living in Australia, which by any world standard is a, it is a very clean country. Not only that, but the vast majority of the population has ready access to clean water and is able to afford products to maintain our personal hygiene. And when considering the hot and humid conditions of the past couple of weeks, we are thankful for soap and for showers, for the humidity. We can also afford clothes. One gets sweaty, we just put it in the washer and pick up something else. We have many sets of clothes, all colours, for all seasons, and shoes, many shoes. Don't ask the ladies how many shoes they have. But this is not the case in many parts of the world today. And it certainly wasn't the case when and where Jesus lived. In the time of Jesus, clothing was very, very expensive. Because of this, most people only had one set of clothes that they wore. Not only that, but because of the delicate nature of the fabric, it was simply not possible to wash the clothes to the standard that we are used to. Otherwise, the fabric could easily be destroyed. You might wash them perhaps once a month, as the garment has to last you, in some situations, virtually for your whole life. One set of clothes. Ladies, how would you handle that? This is why the soldiers took Jesus' garments, especially his undergarment, which was like a shirt that came from neck to the ankles and it was so valuable because it was actually seamless from one piece and they gambled. It was, it was very expensive. The water at home was for drinking and cooking and for washing the body, but not for clothes. The clothes were washed in the river or a creek or wherever you could find enough water. For many, it meant that you had to walk some distance in order to do it. It also meant that the, the common person constantly lived with a body odour, a scent or a smell. This includes, of course, what we call our B.O., but also the odour got transferred to the clothing because of the perspiration. Now in the Middle East, obviously it's a lot drier than, than here, but nevertheless it's still a reality. In order to compensate for this, people who could afford it, they bought perfume. But this was expensive and costly to the common person. It was mostly used on special occasions. And 
you, can, you have the contrast of the odour with the perfume and it was, the, the perfume covered a lot of the stench that would be a natural part of living in a hot place. And the people who could afford it, those who were a little bit well off, they, they had a, perhaps a handkerchief. You might have seen this in some of the French and you know, in the middle medieval times that they would just bring it to their, to their nose to protect from the odour that was around. We are talking places where there was, there was no enclosed sewage. It's open sewage. This, the smell is everywhere. This is what it was like. The stench will be a part of a natural part of living in most of the world at the time. It's only one way you would differentiate between a person who was well off and someone who was poor by was was by the, the way that they smelled, the body odour. Now, the Apostle Paul in our text today touches on that and I had to bring that to you so you could understand because otherwise you simply cannot immerse yourself in what it was like in the day. And the Apostle Paul in our text tells us that smell also makes a difference to God and to others in our life. So how, what is your scent? Or more crudely, what do you smell like? What type of scent or aroma do we radiate in our daily Christian walk? God uses us, if we are in the right relationship with him, to cast his fragrance to those we come in contact with in our daily lives. This is why Paul says, for we are to God the aroma of Christ. We are to God the aroma of Christ. Now we get from the cultural situation of smell, we go to the physical. How is it that our sense of smell, which is our very important sense of smell, how does that actually work? Is anybody here not able to smell? Is as that through an accident or hit on the head? Or Is everybody able to smell? Okay, that's good. Don't take it for granted. The sense of smell is one of these powerful senses that God has given us. If you walk or drive past a dead animal, dead, dead animal, you will know it because you can smell it a mile away. Just like you can smell low tides. You know the smell I'm talking about. Low tides, the tides moved away. You can smell sewers. You can smell tips. Isn't it wonderful driving down Walgrave Road? Smell it. Mm. If you have been overseas and some of us, some of you are going to missions and, and were born in overseas countries, one of the most potent memories of your childhood or of your trip will be the smells of whatever place you visited. The majority of the smells that we remember are not the beautiful smells of the prepared room in the hotel, but they tend to be the vile ones as we walk along the street. 
And most of odours or scents are registered in our brains, especially the foul ones. The truth is the scents will influence us in a given situation. It is what either brings us closer to people or drives us further apart. People who have a a stinky smell, I suppose, don't have many friends and people don't want to hang around them. Some of us uh, in different children's ministries now exactly would know what it's like sometimes to pick up children who come from very difficult families and other kids, whether it's in the school ground or sometimes even in the ministries that we run, they tend to be alone. Nobody wants to hang around them because of the fact that they, they just smell. And it's sad because it is one of the signs that we, as part of our care, is, is, it, is a sign of neglect, especially in a country like Australia. Smell makes a difference. It's part of our social network. Yet Jesus, because of who he was, he was able to go beyond the barriers that society put themselves in. Uh, in, that, in that day and age, lepers, because lepers tend to have open sores and that would smell and everything else, the stench is it's pretty bad, so they tend to not just because of their condition, but because of the, the stench, they would be put in separate locations. The movie Ben-Hur, the old one, particularly highlighted that. Jesus crossed over and touched these people and healed them and gave them life and hope so they could be reintegrated back into society. Now, your sense of smell works best because tiny bits of the thing you are smelling actually go up your nose. That is because when you smell something, the molecules from the thing that you are smelling get stuck right up your nose. You really wanted to hear that, didn't you? Scientists tell us that these small molecules attached to tiny structures way up your nose call the smell receptors. The smell receptors are at the end of the nerve cells. The smell molecules cause a nerve signal to travel from the receptor along the nerve to your brain. Your brain translates the nerve signal into a sense of smell. That's why your sense of smell is so closely related to your sense of taste. That's why we have ENT specialists, ear, nose and throat. It's all connected. When you get a bad cold and your nose is blocked, it's very difficult to taste the food, isn't it? Put all that effort and you can't taste it. That is why they say that taste is actually 75% Smell. Believe it or not. Now the sense of smell 
communicates many of the pleasures in life. Who can forget the aroma of cake being cooked in the oven? Or bread? Oh, don't take me there. (laughs) You see? It triggers. It triggers. Or uh, Ted uh, and Richard will know about this, fresh cut grass. Or summer rain that falls on hot ground. Walking through a rainforest or a beautiful garden. They all have distinctive smells that trigger something in our memory. Do you remember, mums, especially mums, but dads as well, when your child, your first child came across and your child was born and you held him in your arm had this distinctive beautiful smell. This is before they started doing other stuff, okay? <laughs> but the fresh born baby had this, this it's, a, it's, it's a distinctive smell. Unforgettable, isn't it? They also have smells that alert us of danger might inform us when someone else is around. This tells me that smell, unlike taste, can signal something over long distances. For us to taste, you actually have to touch it. It has to touch the tip of your, your tongue. So smell is like an early warning device. The truth is that we all smell a certain way and others do take notice and our scent helps us to be Recognise. This is something that dogs do as well. It, it, this, they, you know what they do, right? Because it's part of their identity mechanism. This is how they differentiate between friend or foe. Let's move to the spiritual smell. We've spoken about the physical, the cultural. What about the, the spiritual? So if we are recognised by our scent, what do, what do we smell like to others? Do you give off the fragrance of life or is it constantly a bad smell? I'm not asking if you had a shower and I'm not challenging your hygiene. What I mean is, can people smell the fragrance of Jesus in your life or do they smell a vile odour? Now, at first it, it appears that the answer is quite obvious, what we would like. But the short answer is, it actually depends on who is doing the smelling. I'm going to explain. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17 from the message translation of the Bible. This is what it says. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings the knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance Because of Christ, we give of a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognised by those on the way to salvation. 
an aroma redolent with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like the stench from the rotting, the rotting corpse. Do you get that? This is a terrific responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it on? No, but at least we don't take God's word, water it down and then take it to the streets and sell it cheap. We stand in Christ's presence when we speak. God looks us in the face. We get what we say straight from God and say it as honestly as we can. I love that. The gospel of Jesus Christ works on different people in different ways. The gospel itself is always a sweet fragrance. It it, it is because of what it is. It is is a perfume. It is the most expensive aroma, perfume. To some, however, the fragrance becomes a, a, a pleasant aroma of life and to others that same fragrance, which to us is beautiful, to them it becomes a vile smell of death. So we're going to break down this passage of scripture and see what it has to say to us. The first part of verse 14, we can call it a victory parade. But thanks be to God that he always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. In the Roman times, a procession would sometimes be prepared for a conquering general. This procession or parade would include important leaders from the city, musicians who blew the trumpets and the, and the spoils uh, the general had gathered and won in battle. Part of the parade were also the servants who carried censers filled with perfume, burning incense and scattering rose petals uh, or other fine materials that, 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 that sent this sweet smell as the, as the people cheered and clapped as this procession went through. The wonderful smell filled the air. This would have been quite a change from the, the smell of so many people in such crowded places. The aroma simply filled the air. But after, after them came the defeated and captured enemy officers and their soldiers who would be tied up and who would possibly be executed. Many of them would be executed after the procession. And after that came the, general, the general's army and finally the general himself, last of all the general himself with his family, some of these scenes, if you've seen the first Ben-Hur, you would, you would know what I'm talking about. It's quite a big deal, big deal. Obviously, the Apostle Paul had witnessed enough of this fanfare to know what he's talking about. But how he takes, but, but, but now he takes this parade or triumphal entry 
And he gives it a spiritual application. More specifically, about our role, our role in this procession, about our roles in witnessing to others about Jesus Christ. While on the one hand we we parade victoriously with Christ, our general, Paul could not help but think about the chained, humiliated, conquered ones and what the sound of the trumpet and the beautiful scent that filled the air meant to them. The beautiful scent meant different things to different people. Verse 16, we jump to verse 16. The results of the gospel preached. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? asked the Apostle Paul. Now when the the prisoners smelt the sweet aroma, they would know that their time is, is up. Yeah, they would know that their death would come soon. The aroma meant that they were marching in a parade that held only, no hope, but only death for them. But for the conquering soldiers, however, this aroma signalled that a feast, possible promotion and even wealth awaited them. Sweet incense meant different things to different people, to some life and to others' death. Now, it is God's desire that people who are dead in trespasses and and sins receive life and not death and have life more abundantly. Jesus was concerned deeply with life And a sign that the kingdom of God had indeed arrived in Jesus Christ was seeing Jesus restoring life, giving sight, feeding, giving health, renewing life, preaching the good news to the poor. We who are in Christ live a new life in him. Our lives are not the same as before. We are new creatures and life has meaning an eternal meaning that we want to share with others. We just don't want to keep it for ourselves, but we are commanded to share it with others. And when, this, when we smell the sweet aroma of the gospel, we know that it means life and peace and eternity with God. Who can forget some of these big meetings, for example? God willing, this will happen in his grace and mercy when Franklin Graham comes, that we will see people surrender to Christ, committing their life to Christ, and some of them will be overcome emotionally. But some of the people who are holding back, that would say, this is a a spiritual feast, this is is what it's about. We, We are seeing people surrender to Christ, that Christ has won. This is evidence of it. And we rejoice in that. However, the sad result to others is often death. Jesus described the consequences of unbelief as what? As 
weeping and gnashing of teeth. His own words, the worm that never dies and the fire that none may quench. If we do not believe and accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour, then that same aroma of the gospel is bothersome, irritating, annoying, in fact, revolting. And because it means nothing to them, death is the result and consequence. Same thing, different results. Now we go back to verses, the second part of verse 14 and verse 15, the aroma of Christ and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Here it tells us that we are, we are left, we are here to spread Christ's aroma. So what type of aroma was Jesus? Jesus' scent was life itself, as we said before. Not dead, decaying flesh, but a sweet fragrance of life. When born, when he was born, Jesus received what? He received gifts from the wise men. Out of the three gifts, two of them were very expensive perfumes. Frankincense was used with with incense for worship in the most holy place of the temple. It was also used as perfume, not only on the body, but also spread on the clothing. It was also used to embalm bodies. Yes, these, the, uh, the other one is, is myrrh that is uh, also a very expensive uh, perfume and used to embalm bodies. Now, these gifts were quite prophetic, weren't they? About the life of Jesus and the type of life that he would live. But it was already, it was already prophesied, it was already signaled, already symbolised right there at his birth. Jesus, the very essence of life, would never smell like death, not even at death. And, and we recall the passage that we looked at last week. And uh, that was from Acts chapter 13, verse 37. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. The one, in comparison to David, who saw decay, his body decayed, we saw that. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Why? Because death gives an unpleasant odour and many times it is mentioned in the Bible. We, uh, we looked at the, in our series in John, we looked at Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is saying, remove the stone and Martha interjects and says, but Lord, said Martha, by this time there is a bad odour for he has been there four days. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? A passage that we've yet to look at in the Gospel of John is the anointing by Mary in the house of Simon, a very, very expensive perfume 
and it filled the air, describes it. That is a symbolic representation of the way that Jesus lived his life. Wherever he went, the air was different, the grass was greener, the colours were everywhere, the hope was greater. And after his death on the cross, two wealthy followers of Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they bought, they went out and bought 75 pounds of perfume and put it on his body. Why? So that his body would not decay. 75 pounds of perfume is an astronomical amount of money. And what were the women preparing to do that glorious morning of the resurrection? They wanted to go there and do their little bit so that Jesus' body would not start to smell, it would not decay, that it would be preserved. But the body of Jesus, even in death, would still smell wonderfully of life. Of course, Jesus as we know, wasn't in the, in the grave long enough for his body to see decay anyway. But the miracle of God. Today, Jesus' body is who? It is the church. And we know that at times she has not smelt the best. History tells us that, doesn't it? On the other hand, it depends on whose opinion you are listening to. The very fact that even on social media you preach the truth, you will be a stench of death to those who are accusing you. Because this is exactly the reaction that Paul is telling us. You preach the gospel through the airwaves, anywhere you go, and it has the same reaction to some it's life. To others, it's this revolting thing. To unbelievers, unless they repent, it is always going to smell bad. Why? Because the gospel reminds them of their destiny, of their ends. It's exactly what those prisoners, those soldiers in the parade would be like. That is why the gospel is maligned. That's why Christians, if they hated you, they will hate me. They are hounded, they are persecuted because the church, the church is to be the salt and the light. It is to be the, the conscience in society. And so what better way to continue to push society to destruction than to shut down the conscience to shut down the voices of the prophets and others who are saying, enough is enough. Let's lock them up. Let's cut their heads off. What is your spiritual scent like? Are we like a breath of fresh air? Does the fragrance of Jesus come from our lives Or do they take a whiff of us and run away because the odour is vile?
couple of things we don't want to be is what Jesus called the Pharisees. These were the religious people of the day. He called them what? He called them whitewashed tombs full of legalism and judgment, no love, no mercy, no grace. They stunk the place. Don't stink like them. The other thing we cannot do is in order to make our smell a little bit more pleasant, to start watering down the gospel. No, 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 no. We cannot do that. We cannot water down the gospel to make it more attractive, to smell better, wash it down. The very nature of the gospel is that it will at the same time both attract and repulse. It's the way it is. So it makes a difference to God how you smell and it will make a difference to those around you. Finally, when Jesus gave us new life, we were born again. I mentioned the smell of a newborn baby. I think that's what hopefully we smell to God. (laughs) Newborns in Christ. Babes in Christ. Through Jesus, we lost our vile odour and became a sweet fragrance to our Father God Almighty. And the act of going through the waters of baptism tells us that we have been spiritually cleansed and washed. It's a symbol of that. You are now to smell like a beautiful flower the presence of the Lord God Almighty and to those around you. And God will use that so that others can see, I want that. Where do you get that perfume from? It's taken to the source. A very expensive perfume, isn't it? The blood of Christ given for you and me. Praise be to God. Praise be to God for his wonderful sacrifice. Let's sing Blessed Assurance. Please stand.